Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, um, and we're going to talk a little spring football. we got a nighttime spring football game coming up on Saturday. Uh, South Carolina has also got another big series. I actually wrote in the title that they're hosting another top five baseball team, but that's wrong. They're not hosting. Um, I can change hosting later, in though. Nashville yeah. in the sense that Vanderbilt is actually hosting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll edit that real quick in a second, but whatever. Um, anyway, um, before we get started, though, let's talk a little bit of recruiting. This is actually going to be a very important recruiting weekend. It's one of the big reasons, and I think that this was a really good move on, on Beamer's part to kind of set the spring game apart. Um, but that they do it in prime time. Uh, last year, it allowed them to kind of like showcase the light show for the first time, or at least elements of it. Um, and yeah, you're just kind of creating a different sort of atmosphere for a spring game, uh, getting some people on campus that have never been there for an actual game, or even if they have, just kind of reminding you how cool the game day environment can be in Columbia. It's built around the whole weekend. Um, I just retweeted all the stuff that's going on this weekend. There's volleyball games and um, softball, all, track. Yeah, okay. all, sorts, all sorts of goodies going on this weekend. Uh, and then obviously leading up to uh, 5.30 when williams Bryce Stadium opens and then 7 p.m. for the Garnet and Black Spring game. Also stick around afterwards. There's going to be some fireworks. That's always fun. Um, so yeah, and then obviously we'll be watching the baseball game throughout as well. Um, I'm not going to run down every single recruit that's going to be on campus this weekend, although I will uh, do that in the recruiting wrap-up this weekend, tomorrow probably. Um, But I do want to draw your attention to a couple big names uh, that you should keep your eye on. One uh, that we just found out about today is Deuce Knight. That's the top-rated dual-threat 2025 quarterback um, out of Mississippi um he'll he's going to be there for the game tomorrow night so that's kind of an intriguing name to look at uh south carolina's been looking at a couple of different quarterbacks uh, in that 2025 class um i've mentioned them on the insiders forum a few times there's in-state guys whatever um but obviously you get the number one 2025 uh dual threat quarterback on campus uh if you feel like you have a shot with him he probably moves up that priority list pretty high a um, couple other names that you should be somewhat familiar with, uh, running back Daniel Hill. He's been on campus several times. I really like where South Carolina is at there. Uh, in-state safety, Kelvin Hunter. Um, he's rated as like the number seventh rated player in South Carolina. We already know that South Carolina has landed the top, uh, or two of the top five and uh, has a really good shot with a third one who is committing tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. and Josiah Thompson. Um, Dylan Stewart, who we've talked a lot about, edge player out of the DMV area, is expected to be on campus. Another uh, sort of trenches guy, Mike Williams, also out of the DMV area, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, is expected to be on campus. That's 2024, guys. You got some big names from 2025. As I mentioned, Deuce Knight, quarterback. Uh, Amari Adams, in-state defensive lineman uh he's been on campus countless times already even as a 2025 guy um steven collier athlete out of lexington uh that's a name to kind of keep in mind in state guys so you got a bunch of um folks in state folks from north Carolina, folks folks from georgia 
and then some of those bigger names uh, from out of state like Mississippi um, and DMV area, which we've talked in the last few weeks about them trying to kind of break into uh, some different recruiting footprints there. Well, getting some of these guys on campus is a good first start. Um, I'm trying to think there's some other like men's basketball and women's basketball portal notes that we've been kind of keeping up with on the kind of coaching insiders forum. And yeah, um, one of them is related uh, to the assistant from Duke coming. What was that again? Winston Gandy. Yeah. So Fred Chamel, who's an assistant on Don Staley's staff for eight years, head coach of Bowling Green now. Um, Winston Gandy, Don moves quick, took less than a week. Um, assistant coach at Duke um, is joining her staff. That was reported this morning. Um, and this Duke's two best players from last year, both in the portal right now. One of them entered today after. Uh, yeah. Wait, keep those names in mind. I uh, mentioned those um, in the story today, and I think Steven Anderson put a thing on the forum too. So it's a couple. We know South Carolina's going to have to portal a couple players, and those are two to keep an eye on with the coaching connection on Dawn's staff now. Right. There are five open spots on the women's Five open team. spots. They're not going to bring in five transfers, but they have five scholarships. Yeah. Right. And a couple of the portal dominoes have started to fall on the men's basketball side um, from the lists that we have put out. Um, several of them, you know, choosing other options or whatever, but other options continue to emerge. Um, I can't remember what the overall numbers were, but there were like thousands of people in the portal uh, as of the last update and only like 20% of them had picked a place already. So it's still still a lot of uh, time and relationships to build and stuff that's going to have to take place there. Um, and then we're going to reopen the football portal here in a couple of weeks, and that'll be even more madness. So looking forward to that. Um, but anyway, I'll have some more updates in the weekly recruiting wrap-up. But your two big things to kind of look for is that visitors list for this weekend. Um, you know, do any of those 2024 guys decide to go ahead and pull the trigger uh, in that atmosphere? Maybe. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then, like I said, tomorrow, uh, 2024 O-lineman Josiah Thompson is set to announce his decision at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, and we'll have coverage of that on GameCocksGroup.com. But if you've been paying attention, you know I feel pretty good about that and have for months now. Um, and, yeah, that's another four-star big man O-lineman in-state guy. That's the sorts of guys that you want to build around, and I think that'll – if that comes to fruition the way that we expect it to, um, that'll get them the spring momentum going once again uh, after a couple weeks off. But um, let's talk the spring football game. So before we get too much into the specifics, I did just want to kind of talk about a hypothetical. So um, Beamer now several times has talked about the idea of playing exhibition games in the place of spring games, um, which makes some sense, right? You You beat up against your own team for two weeks during the spring or whatever and then it's a glorified scrimmage that you don't actually show anything real Dowell Logan's had a yeah. good quote about that today. he said yeah it's going to be boring yeah. yeah um i believe pete limbo said it's a final exam but one that doesn't count for very much or yep something. yep um it's both yeah. correct so it would be a little bit more interesting uh, if you were going against a fresh team that you maybe had to game plan a little bit for it. I mean, I imagine you still keep it pretty vanilla, but um, I don't know, create a little bit of intrigue, um, maybe some some things that you're not quite prepared for get thrown at you, those sorts of things. 
Uh, obviously, the NFL has some preseason exhibitions. Pretty much every other sport does. I, I think that was even college sports. I mean, yeah. they play D two schools usually, but college basketball, you do that. You see every now and then in, in baseball, schools will play each other in the fall for like a game or two. I think Beamer actually used that quote that every sport, but ours has exhibition games. Yeah. So my question to you is like, who would you like South Carolina to play in a uh, hypothetical exhibition game? Would you go the D2 route and, you know, maybe play some in-state school? Uh, would you like to see them go against a D1 school that they very rarely play? Like wh what would you want to see? To me, I don't know if the, I think it's easier in basketball when it's not a collision sport. It's not a tackle sport. I don't know if playing a D2 school would risking anything there for your team or theirs, because if you're playing a D2 team, there's undersized, they're smaller. I don't know if that's the best thing. I think if you're trying to get a gauge of yourself and also do something a little more resembling football, a D1 school is good. Someone, I think someone, I think your two criteria, it's gotta be close to you because nobody's trying to travel cross country for an exhibition game. And it's gotta be someone you're not playing that season just because you don't want to even begin to show anything to, to an opponent. So Coastal Carolina jumps to mind. That'd be fun. I don't know if the schools would actually do that, but um, in any given year, an ACC team, you're not playing from the Carolinas, like Duke this year, NC State, Wake Forest, someone like that maybe. Maybe Virginia Tech, get a Beamer Bowl in there. Georgia Tech, yeah. I think something um, like that, an ACC school that you're not playing that season that can easily drive to or from Columbia, I think is probably ideal. Yeah, it's really tough because I don't know what sort of product you get, right? Because the main goal of a spring game every year is to come out of it without any major injuries. Um, if yeah. you think about the timeline, right, April to August is not that long <laughs> to recover from something uh, pretty major like you could tear an ACL in the spring game and then you're out for the season yeah. um so I don't know like how much tenacity or whatever you're going to bring to to something like this but let's say in theory you know you're at least going to get a half or a quarter with your your starters against their starters um I think it would be really cool for conferences across the country to kind of have like a challenge you know like they do the basketball Big Ten versus ACC challenge or like whatever um, and that fits right along with what you're just saying with like the locality. I think between the SEC and ACC, you could probably sync up schools where people don't have to travel too crazy far. Um, and you could also miss, you know, uh, things on the schedule upcoming. Like, yeah, like this year, you wouldn't want to play UNC or Clemson because obviously right. you're playing both in the regular season. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that that could be fun. I think that would probably draw more people out. Um, but then you're also going to have to get into the dynamics of like, where does the money go? Who gets to keep that's the money? That's the thing. I, that's the other thing. Nobody's, especially a power five school, nobody's going to want to play one of these on the road because right. the spring game still does bring in some money. We talked about South Carolina doing it as a big weekend, a big Gamecock weekend, I should say. Prime time, all that stuff. I don't think anybody would be enthused about going to Winston Salem to play Wake Forest in the spring game. Like, you'd have to find another way to do that. Maybe you make it a two game series, like two seasons, a home and home, or like, I don't know. Beamer's talking about doing August exhibitions or August joint practices the way the NFL teams do. Maybe that's you play one game at one place in April, then you meet up again in August, something like that. I I don't know if you want to do that, but I do think that's ultimately money is always the biggest hurdle. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be a good way to handle it is the spring and then the fall uh, follow up. And then you split the pot both times or whatever, because I imagine 
more people would show up for an August preseason yes. game than an April spring game, Probably, regardless. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting to think about. So, what are we expecting to see in South Carolina's spring game on Saturday night? Um, I know you wrote a little bit about what the format is like. What about uh, a little bit about what the the roster management or whatever is going to look like? Um, from what you've gathered through the press conferences this week, what should fans expect uh, just as far as like the, the format of everything? Beamer said same format as last year. So you're still looking at a four quarter game. Um, I believe they had a running clock in the second half last year. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds right. So I would, if, if it's the same as last year, you can expect that again. Uh, there's not going to be by the sounds of any of these crazy scoring things. I don't know if you've seen some of these other schools like, did you see what Auburn did in their spring game? I, I didn't know. They didn't do like an orange versus blue thing. They really wanted to focus on offense and scoring. They did offense versus defense. They gave the defense a 24-0 lead to start the game. They just played 40 minutes offense trying to get to 24 points. That was their spring game. Vanderbilt. I mean, that's fun. It's fun. It's different. Vanderbilt did something similar. I know where they were like giving defense points for red zone stops and stuff. Um, sounds like South Carolina is going to be pretty straightforward. Started 0-0 full game or maybe with a running clock in the second half um, rosters close to even Beamer said, but they still have some decisions to make injuries in the secondary. Something he mentioned is going to be a problem. Um, they're going to have to kind of budget how they, who they put where in terms of the secondaries. And I'm expecting, I mean, my expectations aren't high in terms of you're going to learn the Dowell Loggins offense in two hours Saturday night, but I'm look, looking forward to seeing some of the quarterbacks. We haven't really got to see play much. Um, it's interesting. You see Tanner Bailey in there. Lenora Sellers gets some snaps. Um, I know Braden Davis was good in the spring game last year. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Um, and then some of these freshmen, too. I mean, that's really what you're looking for is people who have never played in a college football stadium before, in a college football environment, sort of. It's not a game environment, but it's an environment. Um, a guy like Pup Howard, how does that look? How does Marquis Anderson hold up when he gets in the game? Um, on the offensive line, Desmond Umizulo, can he make a play? That's what I'm looking forward to, just seeing some of these freshmen who I've never watched play football in person before, even if it is just a scrimmage. Yeah, definitely. And I did want to kind of note a couple of standouts that have been mentioned to me uh, on the record, off the record, whatever. But um, Stone Blanton is one that Beamer mentioned this past week as someone that's really stood out this spring. Um and that's going to be huge, I think. Uh, if he takes a step forward, if Mo Kava comes back pretty healthy, um, and you have the young talent in Jerron Willis and Pup Howard, both of which also got mentioned to me, um, then I think that linebacker room immediately has turned over into something that's a strength of that defense instead of uh, a bit of a liability, which perhaps it was at times over the last couple of years. Um, you know, not taking away anything from Brad or Sherrod, they they played as well as I think their bodies allowed them to last yeah. year. Um, but I think the the new group is physically more talented, just a lot more inexperienced. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Like you mentioned, the quarterbacks. Um, I just wrote a story yesterday, last night on Gamecock Scoop about Braden Davis, uh, who, yeah, kind of flashed last year in the spring game. Um, but since then, Tanner Bailey showed up on campus Uh <laughs> Uh, since then, Lenore Sellers has showed up on campus. Since then, Dante Reno has uh, committed and will be on campus next year. Um, and so 
I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what's going to happen. Also, I didn't even mention uh, Jaden Daniels who walked on and uh, you know, the staff seems to like him as well. So you have this very deep quarterback room, which Logan says they're primarily just focusing on Rattler and Doty right now, making sure those two guys are ready, which is probably your best strategy. <laughs> um, I mean, if those two are both gone, you're talking about a very different type of season anyway. So, but uh, as we've talked about a couple of times throughout the year, like we're expecting probably some attrition um, after the spring game is over. One of those places that seems obvious that there could be some attrition is the quarterback room. So I'm kind of curious to see who steps up, uh, you know, sort of solidifies that number three spot um, and who looks like maybe their foot's out the door. Who's actually getting snaps? You know, as you mentioned, there's going to be a running clock in the second half. Like who's the first First, I'm assuming. Quarterback I mean, I, out, I couldn't know? be wrong. I doubt you see much of Spencer and Luke past the first quarter, honestly. Right. Uh, Logan's kind of hinted that today. He was talking about how the spring game is like week four of the NFL preseason, or I guess week three now that we played three, but the last game of the preseason where you're so close to the season in the NFL, you don't want guys getting hurt and your starters usually play less than a quarter. Um, I don't know if that's going to be true across the board if they want guys getting comfortable in the offense and the system. Um, defense, I think you're going to have to see guys play more than you want in the spring games because there's injuries right now. Um, but quarterback-wise, I'd be surprised if you saw more than a quarter out of Spencer and Luke. Yeah, totally. So I think you'll probably get some Lenora Sellers action, mostly like you think about the home states, uh, the home state crowd. They're going to be sure. looking for that. So, um, yeah, it should be fun. I'm, that's one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to. Um one of the things that stood out to me from Dowell Loggins' uh, press conference today, and this isn't spring game specific, but I guess where things are at with the offense in the spring, he said something that isn't surprising um, based on like what we know about the construction of the roster or whatever, but I would say it is concerning, and it was kind of about the run game and um, it lagging behind or, or not quite being where he wants it to. And he basically said, like, I hope – that we can pass the ball well, which will open up running lanes, which I do think is probably going to have to be part of the strategy, no matter what uh, happens in the portal or whatever. Um, but I, you know, not, not surprising because we've looked at the depth chart. We've talked about the depth chart, but also not necessarily ideal. It's not ideal. Beamer's talked a lot about trying to finish football games, trying to establish the run about how, Hey, when there's four minutes to go in the game and you're up by six and you need to run out the clock, well, okay, you can't really pass out. I mean, you can pass out the clock, but it's not ideally what you would want to do. Um, that's something Beaver's talked about a lot. Um, these games last year, there's, you know, you talk about getting down 21 to three at Arkansas. You get down, was it 24 nothing before the half against Georgia? Uh, Missouri, 17 nothing. Well, you can run the ball early in the game. You can take some pressure off your defense. You can keep that from spiraling quickly. Like, I think we're all in agreement that at some stage you're going to have to be able to run the football. Like I think that's kind of a non-negotiable. Even though you have Spencer Rattler, you have Juice Wells, you have Xavier Leggett, you're going to have to run the ball eventually. It's the SEC. Um, and right now, I don't know if this team's capable of doing that. It's also April 13th, so everybody pace yourselves. But, um, I mean, they're going to – we've said it all spring. They're going to have to portal a running back. I think that's – Again, I use the term non-negotiable. Like you can't go into the season with this group as your running back group and feel good about that. Right. And on the flip side, I think you feel very good about your receiver and tight end group. Yes. Um, I think if you're just thinking from a strategy standpoint, uh, if the run game doesn't work too bad, that means 
teams are going to be able to pin their ears back and sort of rush the passer against a O-line that's got a reasonable amount of experience, but, you know, it's not... It hasn't played together yet. I'm interested yeah. in that. You talk about spring game stuff, even if it's a series or two, whatever. All right, who's playing where on the offensive line? How do they split up the first and second teams? Because you're going to need 10 offensive linemen out there, at least to start, one five on each side. So who's playing next to who and where is something to keep an eye on for sure. Definitely. Um, but strategy-wise, I think you're probably going to have to develop some sort of screen game um, to offset some of the deficiencies in the run game um, in order to take some of that pressure off the pass rush if you're chucking it 60 times a game or whatever you're going to try to do. Um, now, on that note, a lot of positive buzz around Spencer Rattler this spring. Um, yeah. I mean, he finished the season strong. Uh, we talked a lot about this being his uh, indiv- you know, his individual goals after the season are, go- are to go to the NFL um, with a high-ranked pick or whatever. Um, and it seems like he's pretty locked in, according to everything that we've heard, um, and seems to be grasping the offense well, seems to be getting along with logins. They seem to like each other, whatever. Um, and I, I'm starting to get like the sense that this could be a special year for him. I mean, obviously, it's very early and hard to know and everyone's gonna be talking positive around this time of year um it's a good time of year for propaganda as pete limbo said today (laughs) (laughs) totally uh but if you think about it it would not shock me if the stars align this year it's another year in the program it's another year of him, him building maturity uh he finished strong last year which should take should have taken some confidence into the off season um and then it seems like he's really embraced that leadership role from everything that we've heard yeah, that was something Dowell Loggins talked about today, that Spencer's a team leader. Spencer has been very vocal about trying to get things into the offense about, all right, you know, Dowell was telling some stories today about how Spencer will stop in the middle of the practice field. Like, all right, can we do this? Will that work? What about this concept this way? Um, I definitely think this is going to end up, I don't want to say Spencer's offense, it's Dowell Loggins offense, but you're going to see a lot of Spencer Rattler's fingerprints on it. Um, I think that can never be a bad thing for your quarterback, especially quarterback with as much raw talent as Spencer Rattler has. Um, it's what kind of what Logan said today. It's that talent there, desire there. They're still working through some accuracy and fundamental things. Um, that's yeah. kind of where I would put it with Rattler now. But you're right. I think you feel better about your quarterback situation than most of the other teams in the SEC right now if you're South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I mean, Phil, I'm, I'm trying to think back through like South Carolina football history. When's the last time you felt this confident going into a season? Connor Shaw senior year, maybe? Yeah, probably. Um, it's just knowing what he has in his locker, what he did, like you said, really the last three games of last season, the, the two regular season games in the bowl game. Um, and then knowing it's his second year here, team likes him, offensive coordinator seems to be on the same page with him. Uh, he's got command of the room for sure, and that's – I don't want to say that wasn't true last year, but it's definitely more true right now. Yeah. Um, one other interesting note from the quarterback room. We did the math in the Slack channel a, a few weeks ago, and we we realized that Luke Doty's got like three years of eligibility left going into this year um, because 2020 was his freshman year. Oh, that was a COVID year. year, so that year doesn't count. He played his true – his second true freshman year. His redshirt uh, freshman year in 2021. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a second true freshman year, right? Because the COVID year got wiped right. out. 
And then last year he redshirted in 2022. So technically he's a redshirt sophomore right now. With a COVID year still. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, well I'm, he's a redshirt junior, I guess, with a COVID year. But just for the sake, I, you can he's around. describe he's it however here. you want. There's three more years of, uh, of Luke Doty counting this year. So um, that's really interesting because it seems like he's been here for a long time. Um, and it seems like if Rattler leaves after this season, which we're expecting him to, um, that Doty would have, you know, one more year or whatever, but he's actually got two. So if he does, uh, step up, if he's been quietly behind the scenes, getting better and better, like we have heard at various times, um, you could be in a really good situation for several years to come, including all of that talent that we've already talked about that is going to shake itself out behind. Them. Yeah. Something's going to have to give there. We've talked about that before. There's no need to go into it now, but yeah, you feel good about your, starting quarter requisition for sure, which is what's going to show up immediately on the field this year. But the way you've stacked back there too, and maybe even further stacking, which the recruiting you talked about earlier with some of those visitors, class of 2024, 25. Yeah. Um, now to me, the most frustrating thing about Saturday night is I don't think we're going to learn too much about the two biggest concerns. And I don't know <laughs> that we're going to learn too much about the two biggest concerns until, uh, the, yeah, until week one, because they kind of offset each other, right? So the biggest concerns are the run defense and the run game. Um, so if one or the other kind of looks good on Saturday night, that's, I mean, that's great, but that doesn't really tell us uh, too much about either, I don't think, because they both potentially could be weak, one just like slightly less weak. Can they run the ball? Like, no, like, I mean that honestly, like you're down to three scholarship running backs, I, I guess you're going to have two on one team and one on the other one, but like the team that only has one running back, I mean, you can't run them every play. You can't run them much. Like there's, you have such obvious limitations once you divide your roster in half when you're already thin in a position. Like, I don't know if they even can run the ball that much Saturday night. We're going to see a lot of uh, Dante Miller and the like, <laughs> I think. Gosh. Yeah. Um, walk ons, I guess. Yeah, is there DJ are walk Twitty still on the, the yeah, roster? DJ yeah, DJ Twitty still here. So, all right, you can run the ball. You're not doing it with scholarship running backs. You're not maybe testing your run defense the way it's going to be in the fall. But you're right. I'll retract that statement. You can actually call running plays Saturday. Now, if I don't want to be all doom and gloom about the run game, um, and this wasn't entirely just about the run game, but Pete Limbo uh, pointed out that Juju McDowell is yes. someone that kind of come into this opportunity which the door is wide open for him uh, at the running back position, at the kick return position, whatever. Um, he's come into this opportunity with maturity and um, seemed to sort of ha hit that hit that next level this offseason. Um, so, I mean, you're going to need that for sure. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember. One of the coordinators uh, compared him to Austin Eckler. That uh, was – I think ago. it was Monterio Hardesty, actually. That's Yeah, that's what it was. And I don't hate the comparison – um, but something that Eckler's also struggled with is just holding up throughout a whole season. Um, so even, back, yeah. yeah, even if he can carry the load to start the season, he's a little guy. I mean, he's less than 200 pounds. It's going to be tough to take a, take that SEC. Uh, he's not taking 20 game. carries between the tackles and SEC games, I don't yeah. think. Right. So um, Mario Anderson sounds like, you know. Here's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing a little yeah. bit. Um, I've never seen him play in person before either um, Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking forward to that. And then, like you said, the freshman. Looking forward to seeing. Yeah, do you have a name or two? Someone you're really looking to watch on Saturday? 
I mean, Umi Ozulu is at the top of my list um, because that's at such of a position of need. I want to see uh, what the offseason strength and conditioning program has done for him between uh, what he looked like in high school, what he uh, looks like now. Um, I still think inevitably he's going to struggle against some SEC offensive lines. Um, that's And that's he could still be great and be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and eventually you know eventually and still as a freshman struggle against sure. SEC offensive lines um but yeah kind of to see how he holds up i'm looking forward to pup howard um i know you guys that's the one see for him. me too like he's we've seen him since the bowl game just around like he's he's been here longer than any, any of these other freshmen he's huge man like you're seeing him in person with these open practice periods like he does not look like a freshman hey and i love the rivals rankings. I think that they're, they're very accurate. Um, I think that they're, they've shown over time that they're consistently very accurate at projecting who will eventually be an NFL draft pick, all that sort of thing. But it would be nice to be justified in what my opinion, Perry McCarty's opinion, a few of us uh, opinion about Pup Howard is, which is he wasn't a three, he wasn't a three star. <laughs> He's, he stayed a three star through the whole uh, process. I usually don't, um, you know, question those rankings or whatever, because they're usually pretty accurate, but I think he's going to prove to exceed that ranking uh, throughout yeah. his career. Um, and yeah, like you said, he's, he's linebacker, uh, starting linebacker ready ish now, definitely too deep linebacker ready um, already. So that'll be interesting to see. To me, he's like going to be this year's version of Nick and Warrior for us, where we're just like, oh, can't wait to see what's going to happen. Can't wait to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And then he's going to make some stuff happen on the field uh, pretty early on as a true freshman. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If you have to have one, again, April 13th, pace yourselves. But if you have to have one breakout freshman candidate, I think that's your leader in the clubhouse for sure, just based on how long he's already been here and the way he looks as a freshman and being yeah. in a position of need to. You're going to need to replace linebackers. I'm pretty interested in seeing DeCarry and Joyner running back and what they do with that. Um, is it Are they just going to play him straight up like a running back? Are they? I mean, in the spring game, I imagine you're not going to pull out your full bag of tricks or anything, obviously, but um, a long t- longer-term question is, yeah, does he just uh, play like a traditional running back? Is he a running back that sometimes you have some, like, uh, toss passes thrown into or, you know, like – uh, there's a lot I think you could do with him from that position. Did you see that video? It was going viral. It was from like a Penn State game in 2016 where like the running back took the handoff and threw a pass or something. Yeah, exactly. That's I, I'm I, just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, if he's ready, if he's still getting reps there in the fall, I think almost inevitably we're going to see a couple of uh, trick plays. Who throws more passes this year, to carry on Joyner or Kai Kroger? <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a good off-season bet. Say it, write that one down whenever we do our preseason for show. August. Yeah, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Um, all right, yeah. So, anything else on the spring game that we haven't covered? Um, I, I'm really just interested to see the offense in general, right? Like new offense coordinator. We went back and forth over the off-season about um, the risk involved in order in in hiring him when there were some other names on the board that uh, were a little more sexy, I guess. And then the team up the road in Clemson uh, goes and gets the guy that a lot of our fans, a lot of our readers on GamecockScoop.com really wanted um, uh, in Riley. So um, yeah, start to see all that. Although another thing that stood out to me from the pressers today was uh, Clayton White kind of praising Dowell Loggins and praising Mm -hmm. the different looks 
that uh, Loggins has given the defense throughout spring practice. Um, you know, cha changing it up from the last couple of years of seeing Satterfield's offense and stuff. So that's, you know, <laughs> I think news is as good as it can be at the moment before we've seen any product on the field. Sure. Again, April 13th, people. Right. Pace yourselves. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had. Any updates on Jordan Strand or Mokaba? Or they I mean, they're not going to play. play. They're not going to play Saturday. Um, they've been able to, you know, I guess Clayton White was talking about working with them a little bit. Um, they've been at practice. They've been going through like stretching, but they're not doing much right now. And I wouldn't expect them to until the summer. But as far as we know, as far as we've heard, um, they are still on track for fall camp and week one. Okay, I did have one more question before we move on to baseball. Yeah. Um, I really liked the quote that Dowell Loggins had today about Spencer Rattler, and he said that he's an artist, not a blacksmith. Can you uh, fill in some some context there? <laughs> it's basically just um, – you're right, that was a good one. That was basically just um, you can kind of build this the way you want to build it. You can paint this the way you want to paint this. He's blank canvas, which is in the, the follow-up explanation, I guess, which is kind of like – yeah, this offense, this goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. This offense is new. It's fresh. You can kind of design it how you want to design it. Like You don't have to just be with what it is. Like If you, if you see something that works, if you see, see something that could work, um, you're an artist, blank canvas, paint it. Like You can make that work. Um, yeah. I never was expecting such an like esoteric response from a uh, <laughs> college football uh, offensive coordinator. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it. That is the sort of things, I guess, that we most or one of the things I most admire in sports is when someone has gone past the uh, baseline technical level into expertise. And then in that expertise, you can start to get a little bit uh, loose with it. So we'll see if Spencer Rattler is, has reached that level. Um, now, there's a pretty big baseball series coming up we haven't even talked about last week's baseball series so maybe let's start there and then we can preview vandy a little bit um is my stream going super slow or am i no, you're good okay you're good so uh south carolina ended up splitting a uh two game series with lsu last weekend uh we talked about the weather being a factor and it definitely was um you come out of it feeling pretty good but yeah. also like you probably should have gone up to two nil uh if you don't have a late game grand slam from lsu that kind of lifts them above you and then you can't uh complete a comeback there but um yeah what did, what did you see last week i mean game one we talked a lot about them facing the uh best pitcher in the country schemes, up to that yeah. point and that he throws hard and that you know to some degree, the feast or famine mentality of the offense might actually work to their advantage. And we yep. saw that. We saw you got that two hits out. off them and they both <laughs> left the ballpark. Um, yeah. First of all, that felt the way I think it's supposed to feel here. Those two games, those atmospheres, the environments, the that founders part being a tough place to play for a visiting team. Um, that felt the way it probably used to feel here. I mean, I wasn't here 10 years ago, but those felt like bigger games than they were. So I'll start with that. Really good environments, really good place for baseball. Um, South Carolina belongs in the field with anybody, I think is a takeaway. How good they are, whether that means for the postseason, you can dissect that later. But this team is good, certifiably good. They belong to the field with LSU. They, You caught it. You did catch a break Thursday with the lightning delay after three innings that knocked the starting pitchers out. 
So you got to LSU's bullpen maybe earlier than you would have because of that delay. But you scored 13 runs against the number one team in the country. You really dominated their bullpen. Ethan Petrie knocked in eight runs in one game. That is not a mistake. Eight in a game. Um, and then the next day you had him on the ropes again, and you just your bullpen that's been so good all year had one bad inning, really. Kate Austin, a couple walks, gives up a single, then a grand slam. Um, big picture, you feel good, not great, I think is what I wrote in my weekend wrap. You got the split. You did what you had to do. You got two out of three against ranked teams for the week because you won the midweek against the top 15 North Carolina team too. Um, could have been more, probably should have been more, but I think you're, you can live with that if you're South Carolina. And then you take care of business in the midweek two nights ago against Upstate. Nothing to report much there. And now you're back on the road for a huge series against Vanderbilt uh, in Nashville starting tomorrow. Yeah, so Ethan Petrie with, what, four straight weekly honors? Yeah, three freshmen of the week and then one player of the week. And, you know, he's blossoming into a superstar right before our eyes. Um, It's been incredible to watch. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the conversation for National Freshman of the Year or whatever if he keeps things up. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you feel great about that. You don't move at all in the polls and neither does LSU, which was kind of interesting. I think it's because um, there's not really, I was talking about this with someone else. The top five teams all won their series last week, except LSU sure. split, but there's not really anywhere to move. I think is the thing, but I wouldn't say take that as a slight. I mean, if you win your series this weekend, you should definitely move up at least in front of Vanderbilt. Yeah. So uh, going to Nashville to play number four Vanderbilt. Um, I know you hopped on a, um, Twitter uh, space, space. Um, with someone from the Tennessean yep. um, and kind of previewed that game a little bit. Um, so what, what, what should people expect for Vanderbilt? I know we have some of the pitching um, duels already released, but not all of them. Some injuries. Um, yeah. Um, Noah Hall's not going to pitch this weekend for South Carolina. That's it's not debilitating the way a pitcher injury would have been last year. The staff does have depth, but it's definitely a concern moving forward. It's a back injury. It's one of those things that's just going to take time. It's nagging. Um, I, it's just going to be a week-to-week thing, as Kingston said. And then Vanderbilt's ace, um, Carter Holton, he's been their Friday guy most of the year. He also didn't pitch last weekend. We've heard arm soreness, I think, is what Tim Corbin said, Vanderbilt's head coach. We don't know if he's going yet. Vanderbilt's announced two out of the three starters this weekend. He's not listed, but they also haven't ruled him out. So you keep that in mind going into the weekend. Um, it's a good Vanderbilt team. It's a very fundamentally sound team. Great defensively. They've got the SEC leader in stolen bases, Enrique Bradfield Jr. as a leadoff hitter. Going to have to keep an eye on that. That's something Kingston talked about Wednesday. Um it's a tough place to play against a very deep pitch. Honestly, it's a very similar team to South Carolina. Deep pitching staff. Deep bullpen that's been good. Got they're a little bit less power based in South Carolina. They're going to put the ball on the ground more. Um, but it's two very similar teams that have both gotten off to very good starts. And I'm I'm expecting three tight games this weekend. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a little bit about Will Sanders and like his mindset as that uh, Friday starter, as that ace sort of role, which he hasn't fully shown. Uh, throughout the season, although I thought he played pretty well. He looked good. It's tough to take three innings because, like I said, he the lightning delay ended his start early. It was an hour and a half, and Kingston didn't want to warm him back up there, which I, I think is the correct move. But those three innings, he looked good. He held LSU yeah. to one run. It goes two hits. Stuff was working. He said he's worked in a new sinker pitch. He hadn't really used it a lot this year. He spent his week off trying to work on that, and he used it more against LSU. So keep, that, keep an eye on that tomorrow night. 
Yeah, and so if Holton doesn't pitch and Sanders looks like he did in those three innings, um, maybe you have an opportunity to steal the Friday game, yeah. um, which would be big. And then, yeah, split the next two and you're you're in good shape. Um, but I, I, I agree with your takeaway from the LSU game, which is basically we had all these questions based on the early season schedule about whether or not they were a paper tiger, is I think the term I used last week. It seems like they're legit. It seems it seems like that they can compete. Um, and it also, you mentioned the home crowd, um, really emphasizes how important it is to finish strong because if you can end up mm-hmm. hosting a super regional in Columbia, obviously a long way to go. You got to go through several steps to get there. Um, but I do think that that gives you an advantage that not many schools in the country have um, in that scenario in a three-game series at home. Uh, to have that home crowd behind you and just carry you to Omaha or whatever. Um, it's it's different in Founders Park than it is almost anywhere else. It was good. It was a really good environment. Um, I've seen good environments here. Willie B, basketball, um, now baseball. It was it was good. And I definitely think you look at it now, like, I mean, you're only going to end up with 29 SEC games now. It's not going to be 30 with it right now. But you're 9-2 and two right now. If you're even 500 well, from here, what does that put you at? 18 and 11? You're hosting with that. You might get a top eight seed, but you're definitely at least hosting a regional with 18 and 11. Um, and that's yeah. kind of, I mean, you you want to do better than 500 from here, of course, but you put yourself way ahead of the eight ball here in terms of hosting with getting nine of those first 11 games and chances to pick up a win or two more this weekend in Nashville. It would be tough not to host regional at this point, I think. Um, yeah. Not, knock on wood and all of that. Sure. Um, but yeah, now the question still remains, do you finish strong enough to finish in that top you know, eight. Qu- quarter of the SEC top eight in the country yeah. um, and potentially host a super regional. That's so. where your cutoff is really. I mean, this team's, I know the polls, the committee, the polls are two different things, but there's six in the country right now. Top eight means you're guaranteed to host all the way through to Omaha. That's kind of where you're, I think that's what this team's goal should be from what we've seen so far is to get in that top eight, um, six weeks of regular season to go. But I don't think that's an unrealistic aim for this team to, be a top eight national seed. Yeah. And we talked about Ethan Petrie already. Um, He is one home run away from breaking the freshman record. (laughs) Six Uh, series to go. (laughs) um, Set by Justin Smoke. So pretty good company uh, to be in there. And I think if you're just pointing to one piece, although I think it's more than just one piece, but if you're pointing to one piece that's made a huge difference in the offensive production uh, from last year to this year, it has to start with his name, right? Right there in the middle of yeah. that lineup um, is not always, I mean, he's hitting a ton of home runs, but he's also had some clutch, just uh, RBIs. He's uh, really patient for a RBIs. freshman. Like this whole lineup is good at grinding out at bats, drawing walks. He's a really patient hitter for a freshman. Honestly. And we've talked about the feast or famine nature, but I, I've, I've been really impressed with the lineup in general. Um, even you think about, um, I was talking to, someone about uh, Leroy, um Tomage Leroy, who doesn't have like the strongest batting average, although he's, he's been solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like he makes pitchers work every single yeah. time he's at the plate um, from the eight spot or the nine spot. Or you Carson Horning too is another guy who's now leading the team in walks. He's not a lot of power, but Carson Horning will give you a competitive at bat every single time. And when we've talked about how deep South Carolina's bullpen is, 
compared to most of the teams they're playing, right. even just making pitchers pitch pitches has been a huge uh, advantage because once you get later in those games, you trust your bullpen over almost anyone else's. So um, it's been really good to see. I wonder how much of that you can attribute to Mondi Lee. Probably. I think the approach, a lot of it for sure. Um, And uh, it seems to be working across the board. And then, of course, you have those power hitters that just keep showing up and clutching. Got to mention Gavin Cassis, too. The Vanderbilt transfer going back there for the first time this weekend. Can't believe we got this long without saying that. Um, Interesting weekend for him. Big opportunity. I know things didn't end the way he wanted them to at Vanderbilt. Um, See what happens. Kingston talked about that yesterday, saying he's got to control his emotions and just play baseball this weekend. But He's one to watch this weekend for sure. Yeah, sorry to put you on the spot here. Um, who have because I I don't know it off the top of my head. Who have Vanderbilt already played in the SEC this far? They played. It actually plays the most schedule to South Carolina. They played their first weekend with Ole Miss, who they swept, the defending national champs, who don't look as good this year. And then they played Mississippi State, um, Georgia, Missouri. So really, they played three of the four teams South Carolina's played. They're eleven and one in the league right now. They swept all those series except Missouri, which they got two out of three in. Yeah, but I, I would say it's hard to know quite how good they are yet, too. So this is going to be a good. It's a very to... kind of Spider-Man meme series. We talked about that on the space the other night. It's two very similar teams, both in terms of who they've played, their records, and kind of the way their rosters are. Deep pitching, some power. It's going to be a fun series. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other notes you can think of from? Anything, baseball, women's basketball, men's basketball. I think I think we're uh, about covered it. We didn't oh. talk about the women's basketball draft at all. Um, oh, so yeah. We, we got of, five players picked on Monday. Yeah. So you kind of covered that. Obviously, Aaliyah Boston went number one overall, as expected. Um, and then you had five players overall picked in the first two rounds. Um, really impressive, yeah. It's just it's just another sign, A, that it's going to be different here next year, but B, what South Carolina's built. You talk about a recruiting pitch. You've got five players drafted. I mean, it was – what was it? I think it was three in the first round right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's impressive for sure. Um, and we'll see what it looks like next year. You've got your assistant coaching staff in place now. You've got some portal targets to look at. But for now, it's pretty cool. You could say you had five players drafted that high. Yeah, and if you're curious about some other potential uh, women's basketball portal targets or men's basketball portal targets, so uh, Perry McCarty has covered the men's. Uh, Steven Anderson has talked a lot about the women's. Those are both on the Insiders Forum right now. Um, you can kind of look through some list of names that make nat- some sort of natural sense or we know have been reached out to or uh, whatever. So um, obviously a lot of news on that going to be coming out in the coming weeks. Um, in the meantime, tomorrow morning, pay attention to Josiah Thompson's Twitter and all of that, and then come to GameClockScoop.com for some analysis on whoever he might pick. Um, that's at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And then we got some baseball coverage all weekend, and we will have some spring game coverage live from Women's Bryce Stadium on Saturday night. Hope you guys have a great big Gamecock weekend, and we'll be back here uh next thursday to talk about everything that transpired uh we got some football to watch and and analyze a little bit even we did talk about you know (laughs) how um sort of meaningless the spring game can be uh i'm still excited i'm excited to see those those new faces out there and and start to uh (laughs) just 
spread some positive propaganda, as you said before. As Pete Lembo um, said, yep. yeah, yeah, throughout the the off season because after Saturday we got five group four grueling months until spring practice, and then five grueling months before some actual football. So uh, enjoy it while you can. Yep. All right. Uh, until next time, this has been the GamecocksGroup.com podcast. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you listen. And we'll see you next time.